So hello and welcome to the episode of Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host, Alan Wyma. Today we have Manuela. She had a very interesting, hot presentation in FlutterCon earlier in July. So that's why I brought her on. So Manuela, how about say hello? Hello. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Alan. Yeah, so uh, I got a Twitter DM from one of the other speakers at the event. And they told me that I need to have you on. Uh, so I guess whatever, how, you, you know, you got me at the edge of my seat for your presentation. So it's, it seems it's so good that people, while at the event, messaged me and said, get you on as soon as possible. Oh, wow. Uh, that's that's such an honor. Um, so I, I know that uh, I think Alicia also contacted you. So that's Alicia was, and yeah. I, yeah, actually, we, we are working together. So, um, oh, so, yeah, so it's she's... a conspiracy. <laughs> it's a plan all alone. Might be, might be. Okay, I, I thought this was no relation that she just met you there. And said, no, yeah, actually, she on. knows me. Okay, and looks like we already have a fan here. If you know who this oh, guy is. Yeah, of course, Chatai. Hi, Chatai. Yeah, Chatai. We just had him on, uh, I think, last week. Sorry. It looks like everybody loves you. <laughs> oh. Um, I think that's also a conspiracy. <laughs> yeah, could be. Uh, but uh, coming back to, to what I was talking about, it's funny that you had this topic come up because it reminded me a lot of this kind of drama with uh, Reddit. Mm -hmm. Now, you may, I don't know if you know what's going on with Reddit or not. You Do you pay attention to Reddit? I mean, there was this thing uh, that that uh, the API or something like yeah. cost like some, yeah, yeah. Like I, I heard about the blackout or something. So, yeah. Yeah, so the 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 issue is that they want everybody to pay. The, uh, apparently, they believe that people are using their free API to kind of one of the things that they're doing is is of course making money, which of course makes sense. You know, kick up some money mm -hmm. back, or, you know, that's where you're getting your data from. But also, people are using it to like train AI models and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, it, people think it's actually for another reason. That's why all this stuff's happening. I, I don't know. I'm not going to get involved. But what I, what I am trying to say is that. Um, there's some difficulties with the original Reddit apps that people would rather use like other apps, mm. specifically when it comes to accessibility. Apparently the original Reddit app does not have very good accessibility for at least some of their users. And so mm. they've, there's been other apps that do address this and that's why they're a little bit sad about, about this. And mm. you're giving a talk about accessibility, which I think nobody ever thinks about, right? Because I mean, first of all, it, most people can use their phone without issue, right? So they don't think about others who may have issues. Well, the thing is, um, with accessibility, it's it's usually an afterthought. So um, most of the time, um, people adjust their app because of some kind of law or something. So mm. um, actually, when you think about it, um, there are quite a lot of people who do need some accessibility features. Like for instance, large font, um, scaling your you know, default font on your phone um, is one of the most used accessibility features. Around 25% of your users are doing that. So you don't need a severe like disability to turn that on. Um, you just need to get older and get bad eyesight. So um, it's actually quite sad that uh, even big players are not taking care of it. So um, for my talk, I actually checked Instagram and um, Snapchat because I interviewed a few uh, people who are in need for accessible features. And um, they were pointing me towards like some um, apps that are not really uh, handling accessibility very well. And um, for, in for instance, like Snapchat with a screen reader is not usable at all. So the main feature of Snapchat is to send pictures to friends, right? And at the moment, you can't add your friends in um, screen reader mode, and you can't even navigate out of the app. So the only way to um, get out of the app, navigate, or do anything is to kill the app. And for me, um, as a developer, I think this is uh, quite sad and um, not acceptable. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of a lot of these apps these days. I feel like they're not that, I wouldn't even say accessible. They're just not that easy for me to understand how to use properly like sometimes like with um talk about instagram right sometimes i want to zoom in to see something more clearly 
and I, I don't think you can. I, that's every time I check, it's you cannot. There's something like that. There's no. some things that you just cannot do. And I, I'm also not kind of surprised about how some apps are just from big players and not so accessible because you try to address your app for a majority amount of users, right? And the majority of users don't have accessibility issues, especially younger people, right? I mean, like for me, maybe I'm biased, but um, I spoke with a guy that um, is blind and is um, loving Instagram. So he uh, loves to to connect with friends and um, see what they're up to. So what's interesting about iOS, for instance, if you are on screen reader and you see a picture or like the um, iPhone detects a picture, it will like... Um, describe what's um, on the picture. So uh, he actually gets some um, image description. And if you think of our society, um, social media is such a big part of it. And um, I mean, for me, uh, this whole discussion about there is not, um, there are not enough users to to make something accessible um, is is not not really valid because. Um, it, it's like a society thing, right? Like you want to be included and you want, um, as a developer, I hear always that, yeah, I want um, a lot of users to use my apps. So why exclude um, some people by uh, not making an app accessible? So uh, that's that's like my take on this. No, so I, I... Um, for sure, there's some, some passion um, mm. on my side uh, because my, my grandfather is blind as well. So, and he's like a... Um, he, he loves the internet, so it's his his way to connect with his friends, um, with like new, you know, um, with knowledge, and uh, yeah, that's that's probably why I gained interest in that, and that's why I I know so many people um, that are in need, so I I don't see it as something that um, doesn't affect a lot of people because it really it really does, like around sixteen percent of people are disabled on this world, so. It's quite a big, big number. That's a, that's a big amount. The, but, but I mean, there's also more than one type of disability, right? I mean, exactly. blindness is definitely one. But uh, it's hard for me to understand how somebody who's blind would get good use out of uh, picture descriptions because I can just imagine. I, I remember already, like, for some apps, you have to fill in, like, a description of an image. And you're not going to get the full picture of what's going on. Or people just, when they comes time for them to actually fill in a description, they just put in some BS stuff because they just don't want to take the time to describe it. At least describe enough to understand what's going on. And also, I, mm -hmm. I mean, okay, girl holding a uh, thing for, for money for, you know what I mean? Like a lot of times popped yeah. up on Instagram is a girl holding vitamins and, and kissing it or something, you know? It's like, well, I don't know how do you even want to describe that. Nor do I really even care to see that as somebody who's, who's sighted. So I feel like you're not really missing out on much for something like that, but I guess there could be some things like an Instagram that are that should have a description that would be of use, right? I mean, if you're like wanting to see what your friends are up to. So for instance, you see um, your best friend um, or you know that your best friend is going on vacation and um, your friend is sharing a picture. So, so I think um, that's a moment where someone might want to really know what's on that picture. Um, because like Instagram is like a little bit difficult because it's also like consisting of a lot of ads, right? Um, but yeah, like Instagram is a an app, for instance, where you can um, really feel um, connected to friends, what they're up to. Um, and I think that's the part where it gets interesting for someone who is like um, in need of some accessibility features to know, you know, what's going on with their friends. Does that make sense? No, that definitely makes sense. Um, I'm just trying to think about it's it's hard for me to understand, but I, I don't really hang out on Instagram so much. I, I post on there for the, the podcast episodes. Sometimes I flick around for fun. But it's not so interesting to me. Maybe I'm just an old man and I'm not a young girl, so it doesn't really have much interest to me. For me, I don't really care what my friends are doing. If they they want to tell me, they will tell me. If if not, I'll probably find out or yeah. I mean, it's just well, probably a society thing because um yeah. I, I I rarely know someone who is not using any social media, right? So it's it's also not just um contained on Instagram or like Snapchat. Like there are so many more apps um that are mm -hmm. not accessible. So so it's it's not not just those um two examples. Um but still like it's it's 
it paints a picture of um, inclusion. And um, that's, uh, that's something I um, feel is important to know. Um, and I mean, like, even if like, uh, big players like Snapchat and Instagram are not caring about accessibility or maybe um, like it's not on their priority list. It's it's just, um, it speaks a lot of volume. And um, I what I like saw with accessibility is that a lot of people might talk about it, but not a lot of people are implementing it. So um, for me, the biggest uh, inspiration for my talk was to get people to... <clears throat> like care and implement accessibility features into their app so um it's gonna be more inclusive for all well i mean of course there's other things too besides uh you know sight right there's also even just actually sorry even go back to sight right there's also color blindness too which is another exactly. one or even difficulty of reading text like you said um i do remember i had one developer who i mean <laughs> We, we always joke with him about about being an old man because he he did like to have his text very big on his on his phone, and I remember saying like, well, we don't even need to to worry about that. Like, only you're the one that has this kind of problem because they were like one inch tall. You know, it was really ridiculously big. Mm -hmm. uh, but I mean, kind of thinking about it now, and maybe that was the wrong choice to do. But it is also kind of up to my client if they really want us to spend time on making this stuff work. Right. Mm -hmm. It does take some time to 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 adjust the design to to handle people having bigger, smaller, uh, desirable font sizes and other things like that. Right. I mean, um, one thing that um, we implemented at Flaconi where I'm working at is uh, analytics. So just to see how many people are turning on large font and to what scale. Um, we added some analytics events. You can get um, with the media query um, the, the text scale factor of the um, phone. So uh, that's that might be interesting to like convince someone to think of it because um, the number might be very surprising uh, because it's much higher than people anticipate. Um, and yeah, you, you are right about um, uh, like disabilities. There are so many disabilities um, that we all have to like care about um and um, at some point like it um there are like some um guidelines on um, how to make an app accessible so for instance there's a big uh, law coming up in the eu in 2025 um it's the eu accessibility act and this um is basically telling us tech people to adjust our apps to fit the vcac um standard double um, A, which is um, a, a standard that um, yeah was made by the World Web Consortium to have a guideline on how to make an app accessible and like um, on which level it should be accessible. So uh, that might be also a good um, thing to to look into if you want to make your app like fully like accessible um, to also like fit to the law. But how much does this law actually include uh, the different types of groups out there? Does it address mm. everything or is it just kind of like enough? It's like 99% or do you have any kind of idea? So um, I don't have like a number in my head, but um, uh, so the uh, WCHG standards, they go from, um, from A to AAA. And um, basically, double uh, A is like the, the middle ground, um, because when you go to triple A, you kind of also like uh, sometimes have to adjust something to um, kind of like uh, fit some specific like users. Like if you have, for instance, an app that's only for blind users, then um, you want to optimize for um, those people specifically. And that's when maybe triple A um, makes sense, because sometimes stuff is contradictory. To each other and um, that's why double uh, a is uh, also in the us a standard um which you should um, fulfill uh if you want to be compliant to the law in the usa there's a law in usa about this yes yes exactly so there's oh. this um, ada law um, americans with disabilities act okay and um basically there was this uh, super interesting case in 2019 it was a person that wanted to um, purchase a pizza over the Domino's pizza app and was unable to do so. So they settled on $25,000. Wow. 
Um, mm -hmm. And $25,000 is uh, quite a big number. And also it was a settlement. So this didn't even go to trial. So this, it could have been maybe even higher to find. So um, definitely um, is worth to uh, work on the accessibility features. Well, I mean, for Domino's, I don't think 25,000 is necessarily a lot, to be honest, but for a small player, yeah. that's, that's quite a bit of money, especially if you're a small exactly. one person startup, it's, it's quite a bit exactly. of money, right? Yes, exactly. Um, well, why don't we start to go into what, like, what, what did you actually talk about in your, your presentation? So basically, um, I talked over and I did an overview about accessibility. Um, uh, so I was going into, um, the guidelines I just mentioned, the VCAC guidelines. Um, so that an app has to be perceivable, um, operable, understandable, and robust. Um, uh, then also about how Flutter um, handles accessibility. Um, also uh, looking at uh, web, which has like an interesting difference to um, like other traditional web um, frameworks. And um, I was going into a few like tips and tricks how to like work on accessibility um, and how to adjust your process accordingly. Um, for instance, if you have to test for accessibility, so if, if you make it a priority to make your app accessible, you have to, of course, adjust your process. And um, one thing is how do you develop and what kind of tools are you using? Um, also, uh, QA, like how much um, will you check with your QA? Um, like how, like how much... Um, time or like how much um, do you want to work on accessibility like this, this is probably um one one um big question that you have to answer um like i was also talking about like some tips and tricks for instance if you um uh, are testing on your uh, phone for accessibility you might want to have it in your um, shortcuts um, like accessibility features in your shortcuts so you can turn them on or off um, because if you navigate with your screen reader through the app sometimes it gets a little bit tedious to um, like navigate back to your settings and like turn it off and um, yeah that, that's sometimes a little bit difficult so you talk about this uh, WCAG web content mm -hmm. accessibility guidelines but this is I mean we're, we're of course you can build mobile apps or sorry web apps with Flutter but this is web content accessibility guidelines, right? This also aligns with mobile apps? Yeah, they have like a um, mobile guideline uh, there as well. Okay, I'm just surprised that they, they keep into the same part. And why is it that Flutter and accessibility equals two dancing girls with bunny ears? <laughs> and basically it means that um, Flutter and um, accessibility, they're like uh, very closely tied together. So um, Flutter is always trying to improve um, accessibility. Uh, whenever you um, have like an issue that concerns accessibility, you see that it usually gets a quite high priority because, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just just one of the priorities uh, Flutter has and that they're working on, uh, which I personally think is very nice. And um, yeah, that's, uh, that's the reason why it's two uh, dancing girls. <laughs> okay. And there's already a library out there called Accessibility Tools that you're rep recommending to take a look at? Exactly. So when you're developing, um, I would definitely recommend to use Accessibility Tools because it will show you um, like a, a yellow and red border around like widgets that are missing labels. Um, so labels are, um, for instance, like semantic information that will be read um, by the screen reader. So mm -hmm. it's really important um, to to set that on stuff that is important and um, to be very concise. And um, accessibility tools is basically just a helper that will help you to um, detect those places. Also detect places where the tap target area is maybe a little bit too small for people with motoric issues. Um, so I, I, I really like that, um, that package. I even talked to the people that um, developed this um, because uh, I thought it was so inspiring and such a um, great way to um, streamline accessibility development. So is there like steps that people should be looking at when, it, when they turn, when they want to, I mean, we, we did talk a, a little bit in the beginning of how accessibility is 
like an afterthought, not maybe not even an afterthought, maybe even after the afterthought, like or never thought of, could you could also say. Yeah. Um is there like a checklist that we should take a look at? Because I'm just looking through right here. You have this slide, slide 28 talking about uh accessibility audit, right? Is this like a checklist that people should run through during uh design phase or during development space? These these kind of things like large font, colors, screen reader access, gestures. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not sure what the cognitive part means exactly. So basically, um, I made this audit uh, because I wanted to show how you could go over your app um, to check for accessibility yourself, first of all, um, just to make a um, picture of the moment. So you want to know what is good, what is bad, and um, basically also check um, the accessibility features of your phone yourself. So I see a lot of value in developers actually turning on um, a screen reader and checking for the um, behavior. So they, um, so on my slides, I actually made um, some some kind of checklists um, that you could use during development um, to see if you have roughly um, like uh, implemented the stuff or like fixed the stuff uh, that that is important. So um, that is one thing. And also, uh, Flutter has an accessibility release checklist. Um, there's also, um, it's in a Flutter dev, um, website. I also have that uh, here on my slides. I'm just checking. So, um, they have also like some, some checklists where you can go through, um, to, to just check if you're, um, satisfying the accessibility standards. Um, so basically that, uh, those are the, this is the accessibility release checklist. Um, I basically just screenshotted it, um, and it's on the Flutter website. So for instance, like um, you should check for contrast ratios, do some screen reader testing, um, yeah, check for color vision deficiency. Uh, that's actually quite interesting um, because we do have uh, some um, features in, on Android and iOS to simulate uh, color vision deficiency. Um, so for instance, let me check. Um, it's simulate color space on Android. So you can um, turn that on and it will uh, basically adjust the colors on your screen. Um, so it looks like um, a person with uh, color vision impairment sees the app actually. And on iOS, it's color filters. Oh, I, I like to do the color filters and make my phone mm -hmm. all red at night if I want to save some battery and everything else. Oh, okay. It, it does work out quite a bit. I mean, you do know the app, the new Apple Watch, right? It can go to red. Apparently, red is easier oh, really? for your eyes to see at night, and also it uses oh, less really? battery. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I didn't know about that. So yeah, um, basically, uh, that's for instance something you could check for. Um, other than that, uh, I was also talking about contrast. So um, if you want your app to um, satisfy the WCHG. Um, requirements, you should have a sufficient contrast for, contrast for text, um, and it should be 4.5 to 1. Um, yeah, so uh, people can actually see what's written um, on your app. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. But contrast, what does this actually mean? You're talking about the color between the background and, and the foreground, the text exactly. on the background? Okay. Exactly, exactly. So here you see um, the, the contrast um, of the text, basically. And um, there's this line, um, which should be like the 4.5, um, like, how do you say it? Like a, like a, um, like a border. So uh, this, this is still a bad contrast, this 2.64. Um, so uh, you should definitely uh, try to have a contrast of 4.5 to 1. How do you actually measure that? Is that something you'd need to do in Photoshop? Or I don't understand how, how I would measure that as somebody who's not very familiar with contrast. Um, so when we talk about um, app design, there are some plugins like, um, I think it's called Color Contrast on uh, Figma. So uh, it's already something that you do on design level, but okay. you could potentially also do it with, um, do that with uh, accessibility tools, for instance, that's also um, can check for, for uh, contrast. And also what I find is very interesting is um, the accessibility guideline tests. So you can actually um, adjust your widget test to um, test for uh, 
text contrasts on or like Android tap target guidelines or iOS tap target um, sizes. So um, you already know if you um, have a too small like tap target, for instance. And the nice thing about this class is that it's also always updated um, to fit the VCAG standards. So that's nice. Yeah, I, I do remember seeing this semantics widget that I see later on in your presentation. I didn't know mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. too much about it, but I, I was aware that it kind of had some stuff with accessibility to it. Seems like there's a lot of features on it, but it's a little bit interesting because you'd figure you would tell it what type of semantics rather than saying, is this an image? Is this a button? Is this a slider? You can kind of mm -hmm, set true mm -hmm. for so many different things now. Yeah, exactly. So it's um, it's a uh, widget with so so many um, like parameters. Like it's mm. it's it's a lot. So for instance, I um, was very much going into the semantic sort key because I thought that was quite interesting. Um, so uh, sometimes you want to give accessibility focus to um, some specific widgets, right? Um, so how how the screen reader um, is working is that it jumps to this those different um, semantic labels. Um, throughout your app. And um, of course, you want to give a meaningful UX um, experience to the person that uses a screen reader, right? And um, with this like semantic sort key, you can basically adjust the way or the like the, the, the order in which um, a semantic or semantic labels are read, which can be very uh, interesting for, for um, UX purposes for screen reader. It's like you made a new fan. Uh, Prashant is asking if you can share the slide with us. So this is already shared uh, on your Twitter, right? Exactly, exactly. So um, also, if you um, look through the presentation, you can also see some some videos. Um, one thing that I think is really interesting um, is to see how a uh, blind user is using their phone. Um, so uh, yeah, definitely check that out. Um, because so I your, think there's a lot like of your value. grandfather uses his phone then similar. Um, well, my grandfather isn't using a smartphone, but uh, okay. I think if he would use a smartphone for sure, um, he's only uh, using a computer. So. Oh, with a computer. I, I know we had one of those in the school library of my university. And I never seen some. Well, I know I've seen people using it, but I never really looked at them, how they use it. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine how that would even look. I just know that I don't think there was any screen on it at all. Well, my my grandfather is using a screen actually. Um, mm -hmm. I don't. I actually don't know why, but he he is using a screen. Um, probably because uh, people needed to help set him stuff up, so uh, it was like kind of easier to to have a screen to do that. Um, but yeah, like um, one interesting thing, for instance, when a blind. Um, user is using their phone, the screen is completely black and they just like swiping and tapping on their phone. And um, it's so interesting because it's super fast. Like the, the screen reader, um, how it reads like the um, content and the labels is so extremely fast. And when you hear this the first time, this is the moment when you realize why you have to be concise with, with some descriptions. Um, because it's so much information. Um, it's actually quite uh, hard to understand. I mean, it's basically reading off the label on the semantics, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, those have to be extremely concise. So uh, otherwise, like you have like so much unnecessary details. Um, that's why it's nice that we also have in Flutter this. Um, this exclude semantics widget, which will um, exclude the the label of um, some unnecessary information if you have any, like for instance, I don't know um, about an icon or something. So that's that's quite helpful. Well, how would you know if you should be excluding something or including it? Um, does it give value? Does it give value to the uh, UX experience? Also, um, to have UX tests with people who use uh, accessibility features. I think that is the most important because um, of course I can talk hours on end about accessibility and um, but but I could never say do this, do that um, without you know um, having a user test. 
um, with your specific app because only then you know uh, what you really have to adjust. I mean, you can can check, um, for instance, uh, if you're working on an, in an e-commerce app like I do, um, if a user can purchase uh, a product, right? But um, in the end, you really want to know what are the pain points and um, where where are the issues. And this is only really um, doable by people who actually have those um, impairments. Yeah, I guess it would take some time for me to know how to use it. But you said using those, <clears throat> using those, uh, there's some like tools that you kind of pointed out that are in iOS that are you can run the accessibility tools. The uh, and there's Android also has something too. But that would kind of help to give you an idea about how that how your app would be for people with disabilities, right? So um, accessibility tools is actually a um, package for Flutter. So um, you can use mm -hmm. it in your Flutter uh, app for Android and iOS. Um, but one nice um, thing that you can download from your Google Play Store is the um, accessibility scanner. Um, and this will basically go through your app um, when you open it and take some um, screenshots and will um, have like a red border around um, widgets that are missing the semantic label or where the tap target are areas are a little bit too small or the contrast is not um, high enough. Mm. So that's also um, an option that you can use. Um, so for develop, I always say for development, use accessibility tools. The QA could use accessibility scanner, um, just to streamline it. Well, I also like that you have these, these, um, slide 59, you have these, uh, pictures of people using their, their phones and what's accessible or not. Uh huh. The left hand, right hand combined two hands. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. How do users use their phones? Yeah, um, because actually uh, accessibility does not only concern people with disabilities. Um, that was probably one thing I should have said in the beginning of this, uh, this talk with you. Um, accessibility is something that concerns us all. Because if you um, think of where, to, where we add the floating action button, right? Um, th this is where, where this chart comes uh, into play. Um, because like if you use only one hand, you have a very different, uh, thumb, um, like uh, radius than when you use like two hands. And, um, it's actually a quite interesting thing to note, um, because this is something that also helps me because I, um, always have a big bag, uh, in my hand and I only use one hand for my phone. So, um, and I have quite like small hands. So to reach all, uh, the important like buttons is quite uh, difficult. Oh yeah, there, I always have this issue with some apps, and then I, my one banking app—I don't know what their problem is—but like they have this X there, and I'm always tapping it, but I never hit it. It's it used to be mm -hmm. I, used, I would take a couple of times to get it, like you, you can't get the hit target, but now it's like 100% of the time, no matter what I do, I can never tap it, so I have to close the app and then reopen it in order to get back. It's, mm. But I, I do like um, slide 62 is something that kind of rings a little bit true to me as I'm an mm -hmm. older person, so I'm used to the 1990s, and you have this example mm -hmm. of a website that is just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Link's Cars. Um, this is uh, what I mean with cognitive, um, like uh, for the accessibility audit, because accessibility also concerns um, neurodiversity. So when you look <laughs> at this website, um, there's so much happening, and for people um, that, for instance, um, have seizures, uh, something that is like, uh, like really, um, blinking or like that, that, that has like a lot of like aggressive colors can potentially cause seizures. So that's, um, that's quite bad. And someone who has like, um, ADHD, uh, will probably have issues to, you know, um, really, uh, like know where to click first because so much is happening. Like I'm, I'm even looking at this uh, slide right now and I, I don't know where to look first because it's like very, um, it's a lot, right? So, um, and probably uh, the screen reader experience of this uh, is also not, not the best maybe. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to kind of pick on people, but, uh, we were talking a bit about before, I don't know if you can speak Japanese or not, but I can speak some Mandarin Chinese. I lived in China for quite some time. I lived in Hong Kong for about over 10 years. There's a lot of Asian websites that are similar to this, where there's just so much information. You're, you're laughing, yeah. right? But it's, yeah, it's, it is kind of funny, but 
there is this kind of stigma. I think the Chinese stigma is that if there's not lots of information, then it looks like your website is not, I don't, I don't know, it's not good enough or something. I, I forgot what the idea was. So that's why they pack all this information in there. So I can only imagine, mm. you know, how inaccessible their website can be for somebody who does, who needs that, that like, I don't know, all, all that information, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I never tried um, a screen reader on a Japanese website, but um, yeah, I can imagine. Even though my grandfather, um, but but he's also like um, from the older generation, so he's like um, accepting what he gets. Like uh, that's a very very Japanese, uh, um, yeah, reaction. But yeah, like the um, Asian websites and Asian UX uh, in itself is like very interesting. I think um, it's very different to uh, what we do in the West. So for that chicken that keeps walking back and forth, you would recommend we put a semantic tag around that, I'm guessing, if we needed people to know about the chicken walking around. Like if it gives like some kind of very important value uh, to your UX uh, and to your users, um, then why not? But like, like in this case, probably. Semantic in, in, uh, in real yeah. life. Exactly. Exactly. So that that's some, for instance, something that's completely uh, unnecessary. Like I would not um, make make that uh, add a semantics widget to that chicken. Yeah, I, I, I I'm kind of curious about how some of these websites would handle this stuff. I'm guessing that they they may even have like a targeted uh, app for for people that would mm -hmm. like to have more accessibility within it. Hmm. But there's actually ways that we can test it, right? This, you have this accessibility guideline class, and you, I see there's a test widget over here. So we can actually yeah, run exactly. tests to make sure that things are coming up properly. That's uh, 65. So exactly. So I, I, I have a different version, I think, in my um, opened up uh, for the slides. So um, you can uh, also test for like overflows, um, for instance. Like I, I, I have this little section about um, um, Flutter um, accessibility testing. So we talked about accessibility guideline class, right? Um, but we can also, um, for instance, test um, for overflows uh, with scaled font um, when we just wrap media query around um, the, the widget we want to, to test. So uh, with a text, text scale factor, um, which helps us to check if we have some kind of um, overflow issues. Um, then we have this uh, semantics um, check just to check if we have the um, expected um, semantics in our widget. So uh, actually we, we have to um, add like every, um, set every parameter. So it's not, it's not a fuzzy match, um, it's an exact match. So you have to um, really like go through your um, semantic labels and put in everything that is like applicable, um, otherwise this test will fail. Um, so this is like probably one of the drawbacks about those um, semantic tests. Um, yeah, because because you need to set everything um, that that is applicable to this uh, widget. Um, but it helps you, for instance, to to check if you have a tooltip or a label and um, if something is like, I don't know, um, active or if something is a button. And um, you can also like check for the UX that I mentioned um, with the simulated accessibility traversal. So this is like this um, where the sort key, for instance, can come into play um, because you want to modify how the uh, UX um, of the screen reader is. So when is which label read? So that's um, also quite interesting. So I would recommend if you test for accessibility um, to only check uh, semantic labels that are important for your main flows. So in e-commerce, for instance, I want to know if the user can purchase. I um, the, the rest is, is um, kind of secondary. It's still important, but um, those tests, like because we as developers, we need to also like um, keep in mind the business uh, like wishes, right? So um, we need to work in a in a um, in a good manner um, to to not um, take too much time on um, yeah different features. This kind of brings me to a, a question that's in my mind is that a lot of times um, I don't know if this is all developers, but usually for me, uh, I usually have to come back to to people and say, "Hey, we need to consider this. We need to consider that," because I don't know. I mean, you're, you're, you do Flutter, right? I mean, usually people can kind of come top down saying, hey, we want to build this app. 
go build it. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute. We need like a Stripe account or else we cannot accept money. We need that. Mm. We need this. We need all these things. We kind of like bring some reality back down to people, right? I'm trying to think mm. like as a developer, let's say that we get handed this design. We start trying to implement it. Uh, obviously, not all designs look good with very, very big text. So maybe mm -hmm. we might want to come back to the designer. Like how how should we approach this? I mean, because there's a couple of, there's quite a few stakeholders involved when you're making an app, right? You have the business, which has their mm -hmm. goal in mind. But at the same mm -hmm. time, you want to like let them know, hey, you know, there's 60% of users have have some type of accessibility problems that we need to kind of handle. You know, you have to kind of talk with them, make sure that you can work on these things. And then talking back to the designer saying, hey, if I make my text very big, this doesn't look quite right. I mean, do you have like a recommendation on how us as a Flutter developer should approach making apps with accessibility in mind when say others don't have that first? Do you, you know my question, right? Yeah, so I mean, um, it all boils down to communication and um, to awareness. So um, uh, when I first um, checked the app I'm currently working on, um, with accessibility um, features, I um, saw a few issues and I actually made a presentation about it to share it with our PO and with the other developers and the designers. So um, just to make them aware of the issues that we have. And the first step after that was to um, add some analytics. How many people are using a screen reader on our app? How many people are using large font on our app? And um, then also dropping the um, EU Accessibility Act, which will concern us, um, of course, leads to uh, the business to um, add accessibility to their goals because um, they, of course, want to not be fined and they, of course, want to um, not have an app that breaks with large font. And um, from there on, you can modify the uh, process of making your app accessible. That means if the designer um, is already aware of this issue, the designer will probably think of um, how should the app look like with large font? How should this specific widget behave? Um, then you have the developer that will also maybe check back with the designer. Hey, how should this behave? Um, yada, yada, yada. And it, it, it's, it's going um, basically... It, it's it's just awareness and communication in my eyes. And there are, of course, like tools like uh, Widgetbook, for instance. Um, it's the storybook-like solution um, for Flutter, uh, which can help with accessibility in the sense that if you have something like that, you can um, check how widgets look with a uh, large font um, and um, like talk with your designer about it and like, you know, adjust some things and... Um, that's, that's a helpful tool, but yeah, communication and awareness, those are the two big things. Um, for me, uh, in e-commerce, it's also important to have like the content team involved because sometimes there are some, um, like, uh, vouchers that are only on, um, images. So this, this, uh, this information needs to be communicated in some kind of way to people who are like reading, have a screen reader or something. So that's, that's all like... It's all awareness and communication. The question? Well, my question is like, there's there's still quite a few people who are working on apps because you you need mm -hmm. to do quite a bit of work of the app before you release it. But you yeah. may feel that accessibility is important. So, but if you don't have the analytics, then you couldn't do that part saying, "Hey, some of our users are using the app by this way." Should we wait I mean, so we have the analytics before we raise it, or we should just raise it at the beginning saying, "Hey, sixty percent people do use some do need something." Raise it in the beginning because whenever you touch legacy legacy code, it's ex expensive. So basically, it it just gets more expensive the longer you wait, um, because you have to touch much more places and um, make accessible like add accessible features to many more uh, features that you have built. So it's better to um, do it in the beginning and not treat it as an afterthought, but because that's exactly what makes it. Ex expensive and makes it like kind of tedious to work on and i'm honest like um working on accessibility um in itself and code it is not fun it's not the most um interesting juicy code to write it's it's really just wrapping sometimes like widget in to semantics or like debugging stuff why is this um semantics label not read why is this um this this content jumping why is the focus jumping or something and um yeah that that's that's just uh that's just not the most uh, fun thing to work on, but 
the people that are using the apps are so uh, happy if they can use it. So um, I, I got a completely new appreciation um, of of my users after talking with um, one particular blind person um, because he was so inspiring. He was telling me, hey, not everything is bad, but sometimes I wish that I could, you know, use um, certain apps. So for, for him, um, Snapchat was always something that he liked to use, but now he cannot because um, the friends feature is broken. And um, yeah, that's quite um, unfortunate. Now, the other thing too is what... What uh, what can we use to actually gather the analytics for our app for things like this? Is this something already built into something on Google Analytics that we can pull information? Um, no, basically um, what we did, we're using um, Firebase for our analytics. So um, we basically just, just sent an analytics event, a custom analytics event with uh, the information we want. So um, for instance, the text scale factor or if a user is using accessible navigation. So, yeah. But do you have like a guide on how we can do that? Or that's something that, that's outside of, the, of what you can share with us? Because I'm kind of curious about how I can start to add this to some of my apps. Um, I mean, you can, like, if you have already set up your um, analytics, you can just use the media query um, and, like, access the text scale factor or if the user is using accessible navigation and send this information as an event to your, um, to your analytics tool. So it's quite straightforward, actually. So um, you, you can just put it somewhere um, very on top of your app and uh, send it as soon as um, the user opens it. Okay. So just at the beginning of the app. Yeah, gotcha. exactly. I, I think you covered pretty much so much stuff about you know what widgets we need to add, which ones we need to consider, uh, how mm -hmm. we can check it. Um, I mean, is there anything else we're kind of missing from your presentation? or that you want to say about uh, accessibility in, in, in Flutter and how, you know, what we can do and how we can help to kind of use this? Mm, so for me, the most important part um, or the inspiration for this talk was to just make people aware of um, accessibility. Um, and um, in my eyes, um, as soon as more people are working on accessibility, we will have like fancier and nicer solutions, right? So um, yeah, I can just encourage uh, a lot of people to uh, work on accessibility. So that's actually um, the summary of my talk, I would say, um, to uh, not forget about those people. Okay, yeah, perfect. I mean, I think this is, like you said, a great thing to, to think about because it's always forgotten. And 60% uh, is, it's more than I imagined. I mean, I knew it was quite a re relatively big number, but 16% seems it's quite big. Yeah, exactly. So there was this um, WHO um, study done, and um, that's when they uh, came up with this percentage that 16% are like disabled, um, significantly even disabled. So that's um, it's a big number. So the the whole point of we don't have um, so many users that need accessible um, accessibility features is not um, not really valid. I think maybe like some people are just not be able to, are not able to use apps. So uh, we we think that it's our our perception. Now, do you know which accessibility thing would make cause the biggest that had the biggest impact? Because to me, I think tech scale might be tech scale or the con or the colors are probably the two biggest things that stick out in my mind. Just because yes. even for me, sometimes text is way too small. I feel get, I'm getting old. Yes. I had to like somehow scale it up a little bit. Exactly. So um, text scale factor, that's one of the most used accessibility features. So that's one thing that really should be focused on. Because um, it's also kind of um, kind of sad if you uh, look at an app and it's completely broken if you turn on large font. Um, mm. Because it's, it's just, it, it doesn't have to be. <laughs> That, that's yeah. just uh, a very easy fix. And um, for instance, in Flutter also, um, I would recommend to use uh, text.rich um, instead of rich text um, because rich text is not scaling. So um, it's like little things like that. Adjust the way you're working and um, then you can make your app accessible. Yeah, but the only thing is you just have to test that to make sure it looks okay. That's the only yes, issue. Yes, exactly. 
exactly. You have to test. And um, but that's where you can also use, for instance, this um, uh, overflow testing that I shared mm. before. So you can just check is something overflowing. I mean, you can't check if it looks good, right? But at some point, um, when you scale the text super high, looks are more secondary um, and function is more important. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're making me think about my mother-in-law's phone where her text is giant. I think I can read it across the room. It's really big when she has her phone open. So, yeah, okay. Awesome. Well, I mean, I wanted to thank you for coming on to talk about accessibility. Uh, I do agree that it's something that's overlooked. And I'm hoping that, I mean, basically, before we even finish recording, we already have somebody who's very interested about your presentation. Oh, we got one more question that was just asked. Ben is asking, how do you find users to help test the accessibility support in your apps? The accessibility tools are great, but finding real users as a sole developer can be difficult. Um, that's true. Um, there are some um, kind of like organizations um, where like disabled people are coming together. So um, maybe uh, writing them uh, might be a good idea. Um, and also what I um, think is important is to, to of course, pay, pay your user um, testers um, to like ask organizations to have maybe a little a user test set up. And um, yeah, that, that, that uh, probably can um, be a good idea to find users. Now, is that what you do when you're working on your apps? So for us currently, we are um, not yet doing user tests, so we are not at that stage yet. But um, this is definitely something that I um, suggested a few times already. So um, probably uh, it will be done in the future. I, um, for instance, have already uh, one test person. So uh, the, the blind person I interviewed um, was would be very happy to, to do some user tests uh, for us. So. Um, but of course, uh, accessibility is not just blindness. So uh, this is one thing we definitely have to uh, keep in mind. Well, thanks again for coming on. And uh, again, uh, I, I love the topic. And um, we'll probably go deeper into your presentation. I'm hoping that your video of your presentation will actually come out that I can actually watch the whole thing. It might be yeah. more fun than just sure. going through it by myself. Sure, definitely. Um, it will be also uh, probably um, good because you will see um, the videos in action, um, which uh, is a nice, um, nice touch to see how uh, accessibility actually works. Oh yeah, then you also have the, 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 the videos within your, your, your slides, so I can watch them there. Yeah, exactly. I, was, exactly. I, did, I did play a little bit of the, the one use of the, of the blind person using the phone. And they tilted it down. I was okay. I have to actually watch this and see what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, um, if you turn on the sound, you will hear like how fast it is. It's so interesting. Oh, okay. Now you got me curious. I guess that's what I'm gonna be doing. <laughs> I'm gonna have my dinner after this, so I have to check it out after this. All right. Again, thank you for coming on, and hopefully, have you again in the future. Thank you so much, Ellen, and have a nice uh, dinner. Thanks.